0: Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind Podcast. Here is your host, Justin Strawn. Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind Podcast. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Appreciate you guys tuning in on either a lovely Monday night or a Tuesday morning, however it is that you are listening, or whatever time of day it is that you're listening. I truly do appreciate you tuning into the show have a good show lined up for you. We are obviously going to be discussing the Super States big series sweep over the Ole Miss Rebels this past weekend in Oxford. We will discuss it and everything that it entails for the Bulldogs. And basically we're going to look at what the Bulldogs are going to do in terms of their approach for this last week of the regular season. So that's what we're going to be discussing primarily in this show, but before we do anything else though, I do want to tell you about Cherokee Valley Golf Club. If you are in the DeSoto County area, and you are listening to this and you would like to see Joe Moorhead and you would like to take part in the Road Dogs tour, I would recommend you contact the Alumni Association, the DeSoto, the DeSoto Dogs, because Joe Moorhead will be at Cherokee Valley Golf Club on Tuesday for lunch. If you haven't gotten tickets yet, it's not too late. You can still do so. Tickets are ten dollars for adults, they are free for children if you are taking your children out of school or whatever it may be, since it is at the end of the year. That's entirely up to you. But, like I said, it is something that would very much interest Mississippi State fans in the northwest Mississippi area a lot of times. fans from Mississippi State in this part of the state don't really get a lot of exposure to Mississippi State just because of the fact that they are probably one of the least populated Mississippi State fan bases in this in the state. So, now is your opportunity. If you are going to be in the DeSoto County area, if you're going to be in Olive Branch on Tuesday, then I would recommend that you contact the Alumni Association. You might be able to go straight through the golf course. I'm not really 100% positive about that, but I think you might could. Like I said, you can get tickets through it. They are doing lunch so at Cherokee Valley Golf Course if you've never wanted to go play golf if you've listened to this show and you know golfing has not been your thing you don't really care about the practice facilities as great as they are as great as the course is now is the time for you to to use the services that Cherokee Valley has because they are hosting the Road Dogs Tour on Tuesday like I said give them a call uh, call the Alumni Association get your tickets you won't regret it all right Okay, let's go ahead and jump into the show. Like I said, we are discussing Mississippi State's win series sweep over the Ole Miss Rebels and what it means for the Bulldogs. Obviously, it continues... The path of the Bulldogs have gone down in terms of being one of the best teams in the country. They are that, guys. They are currently ranked fifth in every single poll. The only one that I'm not really sure about is the National Collegiate Baseball Writers or something along those lines. There's one poll out that that uh, I have not seen yet, uh, but in every other poll in the country, USA Today, D1 Baseball... Perfect Game, Baseball America, all those polls out there, they are the fifth-ranked team in the country, and for the most part, they are going to be predicted and projected by most of the publications out there once those come out for this week to be, in all likelihood, the number four seed. You might see a couple of publications bump them up as the number three seed, but I doubt that. In all likelihood, they're looking at a top four seed so far as of right now, and that's what the sweep over Ole Miss does. It keeps those things intact. You are going to, Mississippi State, for all intents and purposes, should be a national seed. And it's going to, we'll discuss a little bit more about, you know, what their approach is going to be for the rest of this week. But that series sweep over Ole Miss, not only does it keep your national seed hopes alive, not only does it keep your your goal of being in the top half of the national seeds alive. What it did is it reopened up the possibility of winning the SEC West. <laughs> winning the SEC overall championship is a long shot. Vanderbilt's got Kentucky this weekend. I, you, you're going to have to win two more games than Vanderbilt. So that means you've got to sweep at the at best against South Carolina, which is possible. And we'll talk more about that on Thursday. You could sweep South Carolina, but you would need – Vanderbilt to lose 2 out of 3 to Kentucky and that just seems pretty far fetched at this point. South Carolina, I mean South Carolina, Alabama and Kentucky are all fighting for the last spot in the SEC tournament and none of them have None of them have really good opportunities this weekend. South Carolina has Mississippi State on the road this weekend. Vanderbilt, I'm not sure if they're going to Kentucky or Kentucky's coming to Vanderbilt, but it's it, regardless. It's that's not a real good matchup for them. And then Alabama has to go to Georgia. So you got three seven and twenty teams taking on three of the best teams in the conference. They may just kind of hold serve and just kind of stay where they are. So, like I said, we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Uh, But the one thing that it does do, even if you're not trying to get the overall SEC championship, there is a possibility that the Bulldogs could spring up this weekend and steal the... And still the SEC West crown from the Arkansas Razorbacks as a result of the the sweep this weekend. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but I want to go ahead and look at the sweep and just talk about it. Guys, it was one of the more impressive baseball showings that we've seen out of this Mississippi State team in quite some time. To go on the road and sweep is always difficult. It's never easy to do that. And to do it against a good Ole Miss team, and despite what you might be hearing from Ole Miss fans, how they're mediocre, how they're not very good, it's not true. It's a talented team. Look, they've got pitching issues, and those pitching issues were on full display. And one of the things I talked about this past weekend going into the series, and it kind of came to fruition, I, I, I was really close to predicting a sweep. And I thought that that it was out there just because of the fact that Ole Miss has a, had a real matchup problem against Mississippi State. They had good starters. They didn't, but they didn't have elite starters. Will Etheridge is a good starter. He's, he's a, he's a quality Starter, but he is not as good of a frontline ace as you're going to find in this conference. He can't match up with the Ethan Smalls, the Emerson, whatever his name is from from Georgia. He can't match up with those guys. He he can't. He he he's going to keep Ole Miss in the ball games, but it's he's not going to win their games consistently. And that's one of the things I told you guys on Friday show. We went through and looked at every single one of those Friday night matchups. And Ole Miss lost a lot of them. They didn't, and and when they won, they didn't typically look that great in the process. So Etheridge is good, but he's not good enough to match up against most SEC aces. And we saw that this past Friday. Look, he he pitched okay. Uh, They get the Bulldogs end up scoring two runs. Both of them came against Etheridge, and it just wasn't enough. Ethan Small is an elite level pitcher. If he's not going in the top five or ten rounds of the draft this year, I'll be surprised. I think he has shown just what he can do in terms of getting out at the next level, and I think he's going to be a a pretty high-round pick next year. He was in the 20s last year. I think he made an incredibly smart decision to come back this year, and I think he's going to pay off big for him when when his number is called by a major league team this year. Like I said, he's just not on the same level as a guy like Ethan Small. Ethan Small, who absolutely tore up that, tore up that Ole Miss lineup for the five innings, and you know we talked a lot about and we heard a lot about Ole Miss's struggles against left-handed pitchers, and they were on full display against Ethan Small. They had no answer for him. He they he they just they could not hit him to save their life, and you have to give a lot of credit to Mississippi State because. Mississippi State, it would have been really, really easy after that fog delay was called on Friday night. It would have been really simple for the Bulldogs to get frustrated and for Jared Leebelt to go out and have an off night just because of the fact that they were frustrated by the fact that they lost Ethan Small due to a fog delay. It would have been really simple. It would have been really easy. But Jared Leebelt says, nope, not going to do it. I'm just going to be continue to be the dominant story that I have been I'm the dominant pitcher and the resurgent story that I have been all season long. Pitches four incredible innings. Got into a little bit of trouble in the eighth inning, but he gets the double play, gets out of it, and just absolutely closes the book on Ole Miss and just continues their Friday night woes. They just were not, they have not been good on Friday night, and they were not good against Mississippi State on Friday as well. Saturday, again, this team showed some resilience. JT again goes out, he gets into a lot of he gets into some trouble. He's got the bases loaded, he's already given up two runs. He gets a generous interference call. I know a lot of Mr. State fans say, oh, that was that, that call was fine. No, it really wasn't. If the ball has, gets past the runner and past the fielder, and then there's contact, it's not interference. As a matter of fact, it probably could have been called obstruction if it would have been called correctly, uh, on Mr. State's fielders at that point because the ball was passed. The Bulldog fielder and past the almost runner, that could have been called obstruction at that point. They got a break and they took advantage of it. JT again settled down after that. He got into a little bit more trouble there in the fifth inning, couldn't get all the way through five innings. But he showed in the rest of those innings, the second, third, and fourth, just why he is such an incredible prospect. And he showed that, you know what, I'm not gonna let one bad inning derail my Derailed this entire game. He kept the Bulldogs close, and then once they got Nkazie out of there, once his pitch, once his pitch count started getting a little bit higher, and the bullpen stepped in. That's when the Bulldogs just absolutely teed off on Nikhazy, off of off of the bullpen pitchers. And once again, it was all she wrote. She so goes on to win eight to five. And the most impressive performance, though, came, they waited for last. Mississippi State ends up winning the Sunday game, eleven to five. They scored eight runs in at least i think it was eight runs let me double check the that i think it was eight runs it may have been it could have been nine they, they scored a lot of runs and every single one of them in the fourth inning they all came with two outs yeah i'm sorry it was nine runs yeah it was nine runs in the uh, top half of the fourth inning it was a critical point in the game look the one thing that was nice about this I love it when Mississippi State wins the first two se- games of a series because then you don't have to worry about the la- that last game. That Then once you get to that point, you know, you're just like, all right, if we lose this game, it's not that big a deal. You won the first two, you're fine. But it would have been easy because for Mississippi State to take on that, uh, that mindset because on se- two separate occasions, in, in the second inning and in the third inning, Mississippi State had ample opportunities to put three or four runs on the board, and they only got one in both of those innings. So... Uh it like I said, it would have been really, really, really simple for Mississippi State to go into that inning and go into the rest of that game and say, you know what, we're not getting our we're not getting our runs across. So let's just not worry about it that much. Let's just kind of pack it up and, and play for next weekend. They didn't do that. Fourth inning, they get the first two hitters. Are pretty routine outs, and then they score nine runs with two outs. They just kept getting two out hit after two out hit. They got a couple of walks in there, and they just piled on the runs against the Ole Miss bullpen. And they had it didn't matter who Ole Miss threw out there at that point. They just weren't getting anybody out. And if they finally get the last out there in the fourth inning. But by that point, it, the game was pretty much over. It was ten to th- two. It uh, yeah, ten to two at that point. And, like I said, the game was pretty much done. They get one run back there in the fourth. Uh, the, in the eighth inning, they give up two more runs because of some questionable fielding by Jordan Westberg. But other than that, that was about all she wrote. And what can you say about Jake Mangum? Jake Mangum continued to show his dominance and can show why he has just absolutely been a rebel killer his entire career. Every all 16 games that he played against Ole Miss, he got at least one hit. Many of those games, he got two hits. And his final at-bat against the Rebels, at least in the regular season, I guess there's a possibility they could play each other in the SEC tournament. But against the Rebels in his final at-bat, he gets an RBI double. And it just kind of typified what Jake Mangum has been throughout his entire career against the Rebels. And it just shows that, you know, he wasn't going to allow this Mississippi State team to lose to Ole Miss. And they didn't. He only lost, they only lost twice to Ole Miss in the four years that Jake Mangum was here. They lost once in 2016, and they lost once in 2018. And that was it. So. Like I said, just an incredible performance. And like I was saying earlier, it left open the door to possibly win the SEC West because Arkansas took two out of three from from LSU this weekend. So Mississippi State picked up a game. They're now one game behind Arkansas. It's still gonna be an uphill climb. Mississippi State has the easier challenge without question this weekend. Mississippi State has South Carolina coming to duty, Dumbo Field. South Carolina is one of the worst teams in the SEC. The one thing that they will be playing for, and the one thing that might concern you a little bit, is the fact that South Carolina is trying to make it to Hoover. Because if you get to Hoover, and if you can figure things out finally, then you got a chance to make it to the regional just by winning the SEC tournament. That's the only chance that they have of getting themselves into a regional otherwise South Carolina will be at home this year and it will be a disappointing year for South Carolina a lot of people thought South Carolina was going to be able to have a pretty good year this year and they've they're a weird team we'll talk more about them on uh, the show for Thursday because we will go on Thursday this week simply because the games this weekend are Thursday Friday Saturday but what you have to do now because of the fact that you are one game out and you have don't have the tiebreaker with Arkansas, you've got to win two more games than Arkansas this weekend. So one of two things has to happen. It's pretty straightforward at least, and there's not a ton of there's not a ton of ways in which Mississippi State can win the West. The first way would be to sweep South Carolina. And that's probably the the first thing you want to do. You just wanna sweep South Carolina because you are a Far better team than South Carolina is. You, you've got an advantage in just about every about every statistical category. The only one that they won't have an a advantage in is in home runs. But you want to just go ahead and sweep South Carolina. If you sweep South Carolina, then Arkansas has to drop at least two out of three against Texas A&M. And they are going on the road. And I talked about this last weekend before we talked about the Ole Miss series. Arkansas is a much different team on the road than they are at home. On the road, they are a... I'm trying to think. Let me pull up their records real quick. Let me pull up the... Let's see. They've lost three games on the road... On uh, At home, excuse me. They've lost five of their games on the road. Uh, so, of the five games... Uh, I'm trying to... Th- I'm trying to th- calculate their record they've played a total of 12 so they're seven and five on the road and they have played some bad teams on the road as well Uh, they play like i said they play kentucky they're two and one against kentucky Uh, i can't remember who else they played on the road but they hasn't been the best teams they they did play vanderbilt on the road so not all of them have been bad teams but the one good advantage you have here arkansas like i said hasn't been great on the road they're very average and texas a&m is desperately texas a&m needs to at least get probably another win or two just at least one more win to be able to be 100 percent certain they're going to make it into the ncaa tournament but they would probably like to get two to give themselves a decent chance to host and they'd like to win if they won all three against arkansas they probably are a host so they're playing they're going to be playing with probably a decent amount of urgency. This weekend to try to get two or three games from the Razorbacks because they do want to be in the hosting discussion. And they won't be in that discussion if they don't win at least the series. So, look, the possibility is out there. So if you win all three against South Carolina, then Texas A&M just has to win. Uh, Texas A&M just has to win the series. They could go two out of three. If you only take – if you beat South Carolina two out of three times, then you got to hope that Texas State and can get a sweep. Look, it's going to be a long shot. Arkansas is a really good team. They're one of the best teams in the country. Overcoming the two game, the one-game deficit, which is basically a two-game deficit because of the tiebreaker, it won't be easy, but it's possibly out there. So that's that brings us to one of the things I was asking at the very beginning. What is the approach going to be for Mississippi State in these final four games? Of the regular season, they've already announced the pitcher for against Louisiana Tech. Brandon Smith will be taking the mound. I don't expect him to go more than two or three innings. He's not done that all year. Uh, he's averaging just a little over an inning per outing. He's gone. He's got he got 22 appearances and 28 and two thirds innings, so a little bit over one inning per per appearance. I don't expect him to do more than two or three on Tuesday against Louisiana Tech, and then you turn it over to some other people. I'll be interested to see if Keegan James gets any more. Time on the mound. Uh, they, they've they tried to use him as the four-starter. just hasn't worked this year. Uh, he's walked too many hitters. So, look, if you win against Louisiana Tech, great. If you don't, it's not that big of a deal. It's not going to change anything. You've only lost one non-conference game all year long. If you win, that's what you would prefer. Keep that momentum going. And finish up the regular season strong, but if you lose, it's not that big a deal. It's only your second non-conference loss, and Louisiana Tech has a pretty decent RPI number, so it wouldn't be just an absolute RPI killer if you lost to Louisiana Tech. You're probably still going to finish in the top five RPI, regardless of what happens with Louisiana Tech and South Carolina. What you have to look at, though, is when you get into the final series, how is Chris Lamonas going to manage his pitching staff? How is he going to manage Elijah McNamee? Elijah McNamee left the Game on Sunday with what looks like he re aggravated the foot injury that he's been kind of having problems with here these past probably four to six weeks, if I had to think, if I had to guess. So, how are they going to manage that? Are they, I would assume that they give him the night off on Tuesday against Louisiana Tech. Are they going to just have him DH and let Josh Hatcher possibly play the? Let Josh Hatcher play in the outfield. You know how are they going to manage that with, um, or Brad Cumbus? He he could possibly do it as well. How are they going to manage that this coming weekend when you don't have to do a whole lot? Because if you, at this point Mississippi State is not playing for a national seed, at this point they're playing for which national seed they are going to get, and how hard do you want to make sure that you're in the top four? Because the higher you are, the better off you are. That means the if you once you get past your regional, which you should be able to do so, then you know, you don't have as good of a team coming to you from the other regional that you're paired with. So Is Mississippi State going to push hard to win all four of these games? I think they are. I think they're going to try. I think they're going to do everything like they normally have. The only question that I have for Chris Limones and the rest of the staff is how are they going to handle the rotation? Are they going to try to take the same approach that they had planned to take for Texas A&M before the weather interrupted all that? Because if you remember, against Texas A&M, the plan was to start kicking James on Thursday and then go with Ethan Small on Friday, JT Ginn on Saturday. And at that point, you kind of keep your guys on regular rest. So will you do that again this time around? I, I don't think they will, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll, we'll know for certain by the time I record the Thursday show. Uh, you'll get it on Wednesday night if you want to listen to it a little bit early. I don't think they will. I think just because they're not going to have their regular rest for the most part, from here on out. They'll have it after the SEC tournament is over going into the regional, but they won't necessarily have it going from the regional to the super regional, from the super regional to Omaha if they make it to that far. So you kind of got to start getting your guys accustomed to the fact that, you know, you're not going to necessarily have that normal six days of rest that you've been having all year long. So we kind of got to get ourselves accustomed to that. So I think this would be the week that they, they get away from that. But – if you're not trying to win the West, if you're not that concerned with winning it, if you're just like, you know what, as long as we get one or two wins this weekend, we can go ahead and start Keegan James on Thursday. We can give him a couple. We can give them an opportunity to redeem himself against the Gamecocks. They're the worst team in the SEC. Hopefully our bats can overcome anything that the South Carolina Gamecocks might do to Keegan James as a result. South Carolina is one of the worst on-base teams in the, in the entire conference, so maybe they've swing at some of the stuff that Keegan James has had a problem in terms of walking people this year. I don't, You know, there's different ways in which he can approach it. So how he approaches it is going to be really interesting to me. He wants to win these games because at this point, all you have to do to assure yourself a top-four seed in the SEC tournament is win one game or have LSU lose one game. So if you're trying to at least just do that, you've got to get at least one win or have an LSU loss. But other than that, you know, you are you have to kind of scoreboard watch as well. And, you know, if you see Arkansas is struggling against Texas A&M, does that change your mentality? I don't think it will. I think Chris Lamontis is going to take the same approach that he's taken towards every single one of these games. I don't think we're going to see an issue like we saw with Florida last year. Florida was very obvious that they weren't – Putting their best foot forward when they played Mississippi State in the final series of the weekend last year. They didn't they rested their their ace, Brady Singer. They didn't put him on the mound. They gave him some time to recuperate and Mississippi State took advantage. And then they just took advantage for the rest of the weekend. I don't think Mississippi State's gonna take that approach with South Carolina. I think they're going to continue to try to do the things that they've done all year long. I think they wanna finish strong and possibly finish with an instant with a chance to set your regular season win total. Uh your a record for your regular season wins because that's on, that's on the table too. If they win all four games, they'll be 46 and 10, and that would be a record for wins in the regular season. So like I said, I'm be really interested to see how Lamonis handles this weekend. Uh, once we get the pitching matchups announced, we will take a look at that on on the show that I record on Wednesday night. And get to you guys that evening or Thursday morning, however it is that you listen to it. But for right now, I think I'm going to go ahead and sign off at this point. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And as always, until next time, he'll State.